0: Friends, Renee here from Big Stick Energy. We're about to drop episode number 52. This one will be with a guest I met a while ago and I used to compete in skiing. We became friends through comps. She went quite a bit further than I did in the comp world and eventually decided that wasn't for her anymore and she's going to move on to other things. Nowadays she is building her own small business and it's working out really well for her. She's carving out a space right adjacent to the ski industry with uh, making handmade hats, all in extra. I'm of course talking about Andrea Byrne. She goes by Dre at Dre.ish on Instagram. Really awesome to sit down with her, catch up. She's just moved back to the coast, back to the Whistler area in Squamish, which is really just a hotspot for any kind of outdoor stuff you want to get up to. So she's still skiing for Solomon and we're... We're going to get into some some fun topics, see what she's been up to. So first, we'll run through a couple ads and then drop this episode with Andrea Byrne. Whether it's a casual weekend hike or a technical first ascent or descent, you need products that are going to be functional and performance-driven. Mammut has been designing exactly that since 1862. From the Berryvox transceiver that is widely regarded as the industry standard, a preference against guides, but also an offering for all of us recreationalists out there, something that is going to be easy to use and come in handy when you need it the absolute most. Check that out, Vox Mammut Transceiver. But beyond that, Mammut is all about creating products that enable all outdoor enthusiasts to experience the power of the mountains, whether you're looking for a down sleeping bag, a climbing rope, some sturdy footwear for your hike, outerwear that's going to withstand the the elements, Mammut has got it and they have you covered. They will get you from the streets to the peaks. For more than 80 years, Pomoka has been making skins for people who love to go up and down mountains. You really cannot go wrong with a Swiss set of skins and Pomoka makes some of the best. They are packable. They're light. They have a ready-to-climb adhesive set. They're so easy to cut and set up on your own. You don't need to pay someone at a shop to do it. You can do this by yourself with no prior experience because they make it so simple for you. The skins have excellent grip, very good glide, and it's unparalleled waterproofing compared to anything else on the market. You really, really can. I can't stress enough how you can't go wrong with a set of Pomoka skins. They are tried and true. And there's a reason why nobody does skins better than the Swiss. So check them out, pomoka, P-O-M-O-C-A dot com. Born and brewed in Vermont, Woodchuck Hard Cider sources the finest ingredients and uses them to handcraft only the highest quality ciders. Since 1991, they have been making their flagship Woodchuck Amber. This has remained a crowd favorite, but you can tell they like to have fun with their flavors if you just look at the brunch box. The Woodchuck Hard ciders take on a variety pack includes the Bubbly Persecco Mimosa paloma and bellini flavors and you really cannot go wrong with that check them out woodchuck hard cider they are located in vermont and they are a leader in the cider game episode number 52 dropping in three two one maybe you can introduce yourself um however you would like to as long as you would like to the spark notes or like your whole life story it's up to you
1: okay Uh, My name's Andrea. I go by Dre. I grew up in Fernie and now I live in Squamish. I returned to Squamish after living on the island for a bit and just realized how much I also want the ocean in my life. So I'm a skier, maker, entrepreneur, and I was a student, but check that one off the list. Thank God. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I guess if we start kind of chronologically. Yeah. We grew up in Journey, which is pretty sick. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. Bernie is awesome.
1: I find myself wanting to go home like all the time. So while I was in school, I was like taking school off in the winter or doing school online and going to live with my mom and dad. So yeah, I think Bernie definitely gave me the passion for the mountains and my love for skiing and like set me on a trajectory that had to include skiing in some shape or form but yeah I'm no longer there I this is actually my first winter in my whole life since I was like two years old where I don't have a season's pass for Fernie so it's kind of a different season for me I'm joining the coastal crowds but I'm loving it so far
0: what is for like people listening your background in skiing? Like, where did yeah. you get started? Because like I know you from competing, but yeah, for the listeners, yeah. So I,
1: when I was younger, I, I grew up with twin brothers. They love skiing, so grew up chasing them around for an alpine resort. Um, when I was like twelve, my mom found out about some free ski comps happening in Kimberly. And at that time, my brother was like 16 and he really wanted to go. And I was like, oh, that would maybe be like kind of a fun thing to do. We'll see how it goes. And then, yeah, so I did my first like free ski comp when I was 12 years old. And then I didn't really do any for a few years because as everyone kind of knows, it's really expensive. And it just wasn't really on my radar at that time. And then um, I had a really Good friend passed away. Will Will Bouchard from Calgary, and when he passed away, his parents started a foundation, and they actually paid for me to be on Fernie Freestyle for a few years. And with like that financial backing and support, I kind of got in with the right coaches and the right people, and then I just started competing a lot more on the junior freeski circuit, Um, and I did. I did that for years. That's how I know you. That's how I know most people I know in the ski industry. And then uh, when I turned 17 or 18, don't remember the age you have to be to compete on the qualifier. But then I kind of took my love for competing and wanted to make the Freeride World Tour. And I gave it my best go on the qualifier for three years. And I came really close, but some, some shit went down <laughs> with the decisions that the uh, tour made the year that I qualified second overall. And unfortunately I didn't, didn't get go on to live my dreams of being on the tour with my best bud, Jess Hotter, but it's okay. So I'm no longer competing. Now I'm just really skiing for me and skiing for the longevity of it and just want to be able to do it forever. So that's skiing for me
0: I'm glad I asked that because I didn't know that bit about how you got started and we talk about barriers all the time on the podcast and financial barriers and like actually like Jess herself was talking about how when she grew up they were able to go skiing through her school yeah so being able to have access to a scholarship like that at that time is like ultimately what got you started like who knows if you would have gone as far as you did and nearly qualified for the fraud world tour if you hadn't gotten a scholarship to get started in comps in the first place like that's actually pretty wild
1: yeah that's like you needed
0: that def- bump and like so many yeah. kids don't have that
1: yeah it definitely like the financial support came from, of course, really unfortunate circumstances because my good friend passed away. But it was, you know, I just carried on that spirit and that love for free ride. And I think his parents, like, really wanted to pass on the love that Will had for skiing. And I'm so fortunate that I had that. And I, you know, it. I worked so hard, I remember in high school and elementary school, my dad was bringing home bags and bags of water bottles from the mines in the Elk Valley, because a lot of people don't know this, but Fernie is surrounded by coal mines. Most people who live in Fernie work at the coal mines, including my dad. I am a coal miner's daughter. But um, anyways, I made so much money just doing bottle drives. And tech gave that to me and so that was also a huge way that I was able to keep competing and work on my own terms and yeah so lots of hard work went into all of that and I think it gave me a lot more than just my friends and my love for skiing
0: yeah and competing is like so expensive too um it is like in and of itself its own financial barrier and you had a van That you drove everywhere for a while there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the old Ford Aerostar. I think most people um that knew me on the on the qualifier remember the white van going to all the comps, but it was kind of funny because most of the trips I would make in the van, it was like a 50-50% chance I was actually gonna make it to my final destination. So actually sold the band last year and it's pretty emotional but it's for my ride or die for sure
0: yeah so competing and then walk me through like when you decided not to compete anymore like you almost make the furrowed world tour and then sometime after that you decide that you're not going to compete anymore and you're going to go back to school
1: yeah so not competing anymore was It was such a hard decision. Uh, For me, actually, I, I just felt like at the end of my time on the qualifier, I was making decisions like, based on just winning. And, you know, I'd look at what my friends were skiing, and I would look at what the dudes were going to ski. And I was like, okay, I need to like ski something that's big and scary. And ultimately, it just wasn't super fun for me anymore I was getting really scared I was getting like nauseous in the start gate I was shaking like couldn't even talk to my friends just started to take it like way too seriously and I felt like if I was taking it that seriously at that point just on the qualifier then moving forward if I did make the tour like would skiing even be fun for me anymore you know I just wanted to keep it fun keep it for me and Ultimately, that's why I started doing it. So it was a tough choice, but uh, going to school also was a tough choice, kind of something I maybe wasn't ready for when I started going to school. But actually, I know for a fact I was not ready to go to school when I started because I switched. I started in physical geography and then I worked some really crazy summer jobs, still trying to make enough money to take the winters off. And uh, I worked in hospitality at some really wild fishing lodges in northern BC and had some crazy bosses, some really bad managers and kind of felt like, okay, I need to make a change to this industry. And out of spite, went to school for hospitality tourism. Um, And I think it was like a good choice, kind of because i had no idea like where i wanted to live at that point and i knew that all the destinations around the world that i would want to travel to or live in were gonna have tourism so it worked out but i'm actually not working in
0: tourism at the moment so i don't know (laughs) i guess that's true hey if you want if you know that you're gonna live in a ski town and that's part of like what you want to do for your life, then like tourism is going to go hand in hand with any ski resort, like pretty much ever, except for the like little mom and pop ones who are like probably the best kind of ski resort because they just frankly do not give a shit. Whether you come or not, they're just, they're going to have a good time regardless. Totally.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was, I don't know, I still like have you know, some goals, some long-term goals and, like, aspirations in the tourism world, but I also am pretty happy to, like, take a step back from it, especially, you know, COVID happened and I lost my job and that's kind of what set me on the next trajectory, which was to start my own business and I, yeah, I don't know, like, I, the program I did in college was in this. School of Business, so I got a lot of like business courses and accounting and all the the fun stuff that goes into running a business. So I wouldn't say like my education was a waste of time by any means, but I maybe could have, you know, skied longer and gone to school later, but no regrets.
0: <laughs> I mean, you're always going to have those what ifs, right? But yeah, at, at the end of the day, skiing is always there and. Like I'm curious, like before we get into talking about your business, when you stop competing, like I, I stopped competing during COVID because for one, there wasn't any comps. And then I had like a whole bunch of things that went on through COVID. And I found when I came out of it that I just like couldn't have that performance aspect of skiing wrapped around my identity with skiing anymore because it was becoming really detrimental to me and like affecting how I enjoyed skiing in and of itself. And because what you're telling me is that you are just getting really wrapped up in like having to ski the stuff that you were scared of and not the stuff that you were finding fun. Did you have a transition with going from not competing or from competing to not competing, and like having to find skiing for yourself again? Like, was there, was there like a transition there? Or did you immediately go like, oh, heck, yeah, I can just have a good time now? Yeah, well, yeah, I seem as
1: what you just said, like it was becoming like the competitive mindset was becoming kind of detrimental to my mental health. You know, I was like becoming so competitive and like all aspects of my life and like just really wanted to win. And um, (laughs) it's just not a good way to go about living your life. You know, it's not all about winning and you don't always need to compare yourself to other people like social media does that. You know, don't need to ski for points like you just need to ski for yourself and have fun and The year after I stopped competing, I actually went and filmed with Blank in Whistler for a little bit and that was really fun. And I thought at that point that I was gonna go on to like ski in movies and do all that stuff. And like, I still really wanna do all of that stuff. But I think it took some time for me to like re, find, like to find my love again. And I also got injured at kicking horse in the qualifier I like went off a huge cliff and hit a tree and thought I broke my leg and so I think like mentally I had to come back from that too and like think about my life and just put skiing into a different light and it's I don't know like I don't want to die skiing you know yeah that's fair yeah
0: yeah some <laughs> people is, is fair otherwise I don't know yeah, I don't know and maybe this is just me because I did nursing school while, partly while I was skiing but then like I was like a brand new nurse during COVID and I struggled a lot with working versus skiing and I think at the end of the day and like even like what my sponsors have told me about it whenever I was Kind of like stressing about not skiing enough or not holding up my end of whatever deals I have made up in my head of what I should be doing for these brands Mm -hmm. is that at the end of the day, like investing in yourself, whether that is your mental health or your career or education, like any of those things is going to do you longer or better in the long run than any single ski day that you will ever have. And like, You can think about all these ski opportunities that you, in your mind, have made up that you've missed out on, but what I've been convinced by by, or, like, I try and convince myself of is that, like, ultimately, I am a more rounded human out of all of it, and if skiing doesn't work out, I now have this other thing that I can fall back on, and I think that's really important, too, is, like, yeah, maybe for world tour didn't work out, and, like, you filmed with blank. Maybe that can still work out in the future. But you went back to school, you have a degree that you can fall back on no matter what. And now you have your own business that you're running and it's become its own source of income for you that you can work around your own hours. And like, we can kind of get into that, but it's like crazy all these paths we take, Mm -hmm. but like ultimately you'll end up exactly where you're meant to be. And definitely skiing will still be there no matter what that path is.
1: Yeah. And I think like a really valuable lesson that I've learned in the last couple of years, especially since like COVID happened, is that like, it's okay to, it's okay to look at your life five years ago and think, okay, like these were my goals and this is where I thought I was going to be. And it's okay that you're not there. It's okay that that's not what you're doing and that those goals and dreams maybe aren't your goals and dreams right now like that's okay it's okay to change it's okay to move on and it's also okay to not decide like i don't want to have to pick i don't want to have to be like i want to go to school to become a ceo of a company and i'm gonna quit skiing or like i don't want to give my business 100 percent because then i'm not being who I am, you know, because skiing is always going to make up, like, 50%, if not more than that, of who I am as a person, and so I just, like, my message, I think, is just to, like, do everything, do what you want, and, like, chase opportunity, and if people tell you that you can't do everything, like, fuck them, show them, you know?
0: Okay, so in your story, we are at COVID. So COVID, yes. you lost your job and you got to figure it out somehow. Yeah. So yeah. So COVID happened.
1: I was in my like third year of school. I had a, um, an internship to do that summer. I had it all lined up. I was going to go back to the same fishing lodge that I'd worked at before. Uh, but then I got laid off. Lodged did open. Um, so I went and found another job, got laid off from that job. And then I was like, what am I going to do? And I, my mom is an artist. I grew up like with my parents. My mom's just so artistic. Like she's just the best, but I was kind of like, well, I could just start making things like i already had such a big collection of like craft supplies that my mom gave me and i'd always loved beating with her like i did markets with her most of my youth every weekend and so i started an instagram account like you do when you start a little small biz um started sharing that with my like ski community i guess and started getting some support and it ended up doing well. Like just in the first year, I was only making jewelry and masks at that point. I was making masks. I sewed so many masks during COVID, um, which I kind of forgot about. But yeah, so that kept me busy. That paid the bills for like a year, which is really hard to believe. But I, after that was like, okay, I kind of want to like find a thing that I can make or a product or service that I can offer that like would resonate with people who ski or like just the ski community and try and tie in my love for like creating and making with skiing. And my mom actually used to make hats when I was a kid. So it felt second nature to start making hats and I started making fleece hats and now I run a business called all and extra where i make hats and it's blown up a lot in the last like year um so much so that i'm struggling to like find a balance between skiing and working but my own biggest bottleneck is probably me because i produce the product <laughs> by hand but it's an art so it's part of the fun but yeah, now I run all in extra and it's basically my full-time
0: hustle. That is sick. Like the fact that you've been able to build that for yourself and you can do something that you are passionate about and make money from it outside of skiing is pretty impressive.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I, it's pretty crazy. Like I'm just really, really grateful and so thankful for all of the support that I've received running all in extra it's been it's been crazy like this year or last year I guess 2022 was such a like pivotal year for me um just with people like reaching out to sell hats in their stores or like different companies wanting to do collabs and it's kind of given me a completely different way to like connect with people all over the world and also to like give people something in return for their support because like as an athlete like you need it takes a village you know it's just so expensive and I really wanted to find a way that was flexible that would work for me if the snow was good and there was a shoot or if I had to go on a trip like I wanted to be able to Take a step back from my job if i had to to go chase other opportunity if it presented itself and that's kind of where i'm at with all an extra but really trying to find a balance now and do
0: both 50 50. (laughs) where does the name all an extra come from yeah so kind of a kind of
1: a business strategy but um i when i was picking names for my business i you have to like register them with bc registry you have to get a domain you have to get a instagram and a tiktok and all that stuff so i had four names written down and all and extra was the only name that i could get all like six things approved for so i went with all and extra but the name itself comes from just wanting to do everything and more all the time and it just kind of encompasses like who i am and just being being me being yourself and yeah change i don't know being all an extra be
0: you be whatever you want do your thing i don't know <laughs> be extra choose an extra design yeah do, do everything an extra
1: exactly <laughs> that's that's pretty much it <laughs>
0: So as you're building your business, you mentioned being able to have time off where you need it, but also the fact that you've ended up kind of working a lot recently. So how how are you setting boundaries with yourself so that you can still satisfy Ski Dre?
1: Yeah. So I love that you guys always say boundaries are hot because I always think about that. I'm like, I need to set boundaries for myself here. Um but yeah, it's been really, really hard. I won't lie. Uh, like the holiday season for a small business is absolutely bonkers. I was not sleeping at all. I Like barely. I was working so much. I was trying to ski. And then I pretty much burnt out before the holidays and was like, I need to delete Instagram. I need to like take all of everything and just shut it down for a bit because it was becoming yeah, it was just a lot. And like, it's a lot on my body too. Like I, sew, you know, it's, it's hard work. It's really physically demanding. Um, so anyways, moving into 2023, the goal is to definitely try and find more of a balance, try and set some boundaries. So maybe that looks like skiing four days a week or three days a week and prioritizing that. And on the other three or four days, like getting work done, Putting my phone away, trying to really focus on the things at hand. But it's proven to be pretty, pretty difficult. Like, I feel like I'm on call all the time, just having a phone in my hand. You know, people are able to send me DMs through Instagram asking questions. And it's just me like doing everything all the communicating, all the website admin, like the shipping. And yeah, it's a lot. But I'm trying to hire some help, so if anyone lives in Squamish and likes sewing,
0: hit me up. Yeah, this is a actually just a uh, a job posting. Yeah, an audio job posting. <laughs> Apply now. <laughs> DM at all an extra. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, must own your own sewing machine though.
0: Yeah, well that's Only crazy. You're like getting to the point too. You're gonna need to hire someone to help you like that means that there's enough work going on that you're getting to the point where one person cannot satisfy that and it sounds like that's something you really figured out this holiday season where everyone wants to buy your hats for a gift and you're still just one person trying to make hundreds of hats and you're like well this this is not it
1: (laughs) no and like literally I wear all that. you know like I'm just doing everything I got into farmers markets before the holidays which has that was crazy but I also want to say that like all an extra has given me so much in terms of community because I think like as a skier and an athlete first and foremost in my brain and like as who I identify as um I just think that like being a maker And being in the small business world has kind of like just made me feel a little bit more like like I belong, you know, and like it's okay to stay home sometimes and just work on your arts and crafts. And it's given me so many new friends and connections in a new place like Squamish. Like I moved, I came here in the summer for the first time in ages and like was talking to people about looking for a place to rent. And like, then I found a place to rent, you know, like through being at a market, through putting myself out there in a way that before I never thought I would be doing this, you know? So it's been a really cool way to just like connect with like-minded people and and to be like more of a pillar in the community and
0: get my name out there in more ways than one. So what sparked your your return to the coast because you lived in Whistler a little bit while you're filming for blank and then went back to school but you've always kind of returned to Fernie so now you're done school and you've returned to the sea to sky is that because of skiing or what was the motivation there yeah so
1: that's
0: a good question
1: um so my boyfriend he's an island boy no longer he grew up in Victoria um, and he finished school and I finished school and we were actually in the winters when I was going back to Bernie he was staying in Victoria to work so we did long distance for like six years um, which was crazy but we just kind of decided that like when I was done school it was maybe time to like go find our middle ground and that with squamish, it's coastal, it's got the mountains, it's yeah, so it was kind of a, a move that was like a compromise for my partner and I we were kind of like, okay, we can make this place work together. He's got the surf, he's got the ocean, I've got the mountains, I've got the city if I need to go get stuff, like it just was it just worked out in that way, but yeah, I don't know more and more, I think about like moving back to Fernie and I wouldn't say I don't want to move back there, but I'm pretty happy to like create my own life elsewhere and to see the sky is pretty good for that. So definitely a a move that worked for my partner and I, but also it's good to be back in the coastal mountains because it is awesome here. But the most frequently asked question is, do you have a sled?
0: (laughs) I'm like, no, not yet. Maybe one day. Yeah. I mean you you gotta get one so you can come with Jess and I. <laughs> I know. I wanna come brat with you guys. Yeah. Do you have anything going on this year that's like kind of kind of on your ski list? Any projects that you're working on? Like what is what is your ski year look like going into twenty
1: twenty three? Yeah. So I can't actually talk about one of the projects that I'm working on, but... Um, it's okay.
0: Keep it mysterious. Yeah,
1: I'm going to keep it mysterious. You got well,
0: something going on. Something got, is coming and it's so exciting that she can't even tell us about it.
1: <laughs> I hope I don't talk it up so much and then it comes out and it sucks. But um, yeah, I'm, I've got something cool down the pipeline coming up with a, with a brand um, that I've never worked with before. So it's kind of exciting. Um, but it's going to also involve uh, all an in extra and like the creative side of who I am so I'm pretty excited to like combine both things and do a project like that. Um, I feel like so much of my ski career especially in like film skiing has been like just kind of fitting into someone else's project so kind of excited to like have some creative freedom to run with and do my own thing But yeah, other than that, I'm still skiing for Solomon and for Smith. So I'm hopeful there's some team trips coming up and keep your eyes peeled for that. I don't know. You've been with both of those brands for years. Yeah, so wild. I know. It's actually crazy. It's like part of my identity. Kind of, I don't know. Maybe that's how I look at it. But yeah, Solomon has been like 10 years and this has been i don't even know like seven eight maybe quite a while A long time
0: yeah i know that's a long time so i mean i i have not skied on solomon skis i will admit that so what is your go-to ski
1: yeah okay that's a good question um my go-to ski is probably the 106 the qst 106 uh I've been skiing that ski for probably like since it came out which was like don't quote me on this I should know but like five years ago maybe six years ago um but yeah it's my go-to it's great I ski it in a 181 they used to print a women's top sheet on the men's ski for me because
0: they were too short (laughs) but yeah classic I could go Um, off on that just yeah. like in general across the ski industry,
1: but oh, I know got to be more inclusive with us tall ladies.
0: Yes, tall ladies that tread you like one eighty is such a key length, and that's actually something Jess and I were discussing on the chairlift the other day. Is both of us were like our like number one length if we can buy a ski or like design our own ski is to have something that is like a mid fat in a one eighty, like specifically. 180 yeah We're like that's what we want and then these brands don't even make the ski in that length you're like great that's great you're like <laughs> you're actually missing out on so much of the market that's
1: but it's crazy. really awesome
0: that they at least they at least like put a top sheet on there so that you can help sell women skis and then it's at least like on their mind that there are women out there that want to ski it in that length because you're out there doing it so totally. like kind of like it kind of gets it on the radar anyway and they have the foresight to realize that you want that top sheet potentially but it just isn't available and like what you would like to ski and as we move on in the, in, in this industry like the amount of strong women's skiers is just increasing, increasing, increasing. So we'll get there.
1: We'll get there for sure. Like I think, yeah, lots of lots of changes have to be made. But I'm just really grateful that my feet are big enough for um, the big boots because I've heard of some pretty awful stories with my friends who have tiny feet. It sounds really hard to get a stiff boot.
0: Yeah, you're you're included, eh? That's me. Actually, my. My issue has been solved by Atomic coming out with, was it two seasons ago? So I've had this boot now to, yeah, so since last year, the Hawks 130, the XTD, which has a narrow last and 130 stiffness in the 23.5, and it's like a true 23.5, and then I believe they also do a true 22.5. Uh, but I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but anyway, between that and then my custom cork liners, it's like quite a it's Definitely. quite a fit, but I I like my performance boots and then I also just feel the detriment of that early season when I have no strength and I'm trying to push on a 130 and my like muscles are not ski muscles yet and I'm like cool. Yeah ski these boots or they'll ski you all right all right all right oh, okay <laughs> totally oh my but God. yeah and that's another thing that i i do believe that it will start to get better like atomic was one of the first ones that did it but there are other brands that now are starting to develop these boots so it's just yeah. a matter of it's a matter of whether or not the they believe that the market is there or that they are targeting the right market and I think that market has been historically small but it is growing and there is more and more demand for it but
1: definitely and I mean like like,
0: I mean I'm stoked for you that you haven't had that issue but it it did suck for a while yeah
1: I think my biggest issue like my feet are so wide like I have beaver tail feet holding me up right now like it's crazy so I've really struggled to like find boots that are wide enough for me um and like I forced my feet into narrow boots because like Solomon generally is quite narrow um and like that has really damaged my feet like I got frostbite really bad I have insane bone spurs like my instep is growing a freaking mountain on it so like Jamming my feet in ski boots is like not the most enjoyable experience for me anymore. So I actually started snowboarding a little bit just to give my feet a break once in a while. But I think I need to go see a, a good boot fitter and have some help getting dialed yeah. in.
0: That is just everybody. Yeah. <laughs> That's everybody. But um, yeah, like people are always asking gear questions. So it's nice to hear what the Solomon skis are like. Um, that you you've been with Solomon for so many years and you like the product enough that you really like have no reason to change it because it you're able to ski really strongly on it and it suits your style and you can still be playful but charge and so like seeing how you ski and the fact that you still enjoy that ski so much year after year after year is like kind of nice for us to know if we're having people who like want to know more about the ski.
1: Yeah, my it's funny actually. My mom actually skis on the 106 too, so I gave her an older pair that was like too short for me. Cause she's a bit she's a bit smaller than me, but she actually found it to be really like responsive and aggressive, and she shreds the groomer. She skis the pow, so it's pretty good. But like from my point of view, like I haven't really I haven't really skied on anything but a Salomon ski in a very long time, so I don't have that much to compare it to, but. Yeah, if we're plugging brands, I would get, I get some
0: Solvinski's. So. Yeah, I mean, you're the guest. You can plug whoever you want to. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> I do not care. Um, so you have projects that you partly can't tell us about, but it sounds kind of exciting. It sounds like something where you can have a little bit more of a creative viewpoint on it, and like having. Having worked with, um, like you've done videos with Salman Freeski before, mm-hmm. and you filmed with Blank. Um, yeah. How does it? How does that? Honestly, I don't even know where I'm going with this question. Yeah, <laughs> it's different. I'll just
1: say, like, um, one, one thing that I'm like definitely learning as I go through the, whatever path this is making skiing your career um is that like the industry has changed a lot so when I started you know working with Solomon there was a really strong backing behind like Solomon TV and that kind of it looked a lot different than how Solomon operates now so it used to be primarily like Solomon every year would have whatever four trips that they were fully backing financially they planned them it was like their vision Um, and then they would invite athletes, and I was super lucky. I got to go on a couple, and it was, like, really easy. You know, they would plan everything. They were like, okay, we're going to travel around Colorado, and la-di-da-di-da, like, you're coming. They do all the logistics, Um, and, like, that was kind of the same thing with Blank. Like, I was still, I was pretty young when I filmed with Blank, and I only filmed with them for, like, four days or something, but Um, same thing, you know, they were like, okay, we're going this day, like just come out and the rest is whatever, we'll figure it out. Uh, But now, like moving forward, I think a lot more of the logistics and the pre planning are like being handed off to the athlete, which is like really awesome, because it gives you that creative freedom to like pitch and plan your own projects. But I will say it's it's a lot of work, like it's a lot of time. And for me, like, I just feel like I don't have enough time in the day to do everything I already have to do when it comes to like, running my business, which is paying my bills. And then when it comes to like planning these projects and putting together pitches and proposals and communicating with all these people that are involved. It's so much work that's like not compensated for. You know, and so it becomes this, like, completely different thing that I, like, will say I'm excited about, but also, like, learning, and I think a lot of, like, how to write proposals and how to pitch projects and, like, what budgets are realistic is all of that information is kind of, like, being... It's, like, gatekeeper People, like, don't talk about that. And then when you're, like, in the position of trying to, like, plan something, you, like, don't even know where to go. You're, like, what? Okay. Like, I want to do this. But, like, I don't even know, like, what this looks like. And it's just been a huge learning experience to, like, have creative freedom. So.
0: It's so overwhelming. It's so overwhelming. I, I had to go to Instagram one day to be, like... Okay, filmers, like I know that I have followers who are filmers, who are creatives. I was like, what would you charge for a half day? What would you charge for a full day? Like, give me your rates because I was trying to build up a budget for a project and I was like, I I literally don't know what the rates are, but whoever I wanna hire for this job, I want them to be paid what they're worth. So like, I need to, you're like trying to figure out all these numbers and I'm like, hey, editing. How many hours is it going to take to edit this long of a video? And I'm like, well, what do I pay someone to edit? Like how much, like, I don't know these things. How do you build a proposal? What do they want to know? What do they want from you? And I was just really lucky because the brands that I was kind of going back and forth with were ones that I'd worked with for several years. So it kind of was a bunch of me being like, I have no idea what I'm doing but this is where I've gotten so far. Can you look at it and tell me like what I'm missing and then I'll figure it out. And there's like several emails. <laughs> One chain is going back and forth where they're like, okay, but I-, I just need the budget. And I'm like, I don't know what it is or how to make it. Yeah. Please just help me. <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> And we figured oh, it out and I learned a lot and I feel like now I like kind of know how to propose a video project and how much it costs and how you need to sell it and like what they want to know and what they don't care about and all of that stuff. Like I had I've had meetings that I've gone into and it goes terribly. And I'm like, well, this is yeah. not how we do it next time. You need to know all of these things now. Right. Because the next person's gonna ask you them and you just looked like a giant idiot. <laughs> so that's part of it though. Like it's learning what not to do
1: and what to do and yeah it's I don't have
0: any business background at all like even
1: if you have business background like I have no idea what I'm doing you know like I know some stuff but it's just it's a completely different ball game but I think like the the biggest thing for me is just like time you know I just don't have like I don't have this free time anymore that I once had because like I'm just juggling so much. I'm like, okay, if I'm not sewing, I'm skiing. If I'm not skiing, I'm sewing. And then like at night, it's like 12 AM and I'm like trying to write emails. Like that's not, you know, that's not sustainable. So it's literally 2023. I just need to find some balance. <laughs>
0: yeah. and, I mean, you get to the point too, where then you have your three, three days a week that you've set aside to ski. But then if you want to do this project, then you have to take one of those days just to sit at your computer and figure out how to answer these emails and build your budget and like make a pretty slideshow, et cetera. Yeah. Like book your meetings at some point in your week. And you're like trying to fit in all this extra stuff on top of working full time and like trying to get ski muscles so that you can actually ski in the thing that you're supposed to be filming. And it's a lot. And if you, skiing is your entire job then maybe you have a bit more time for that but i think it also it also reflects the fact that if you're a professional skier or like see yourself as such or are like even just doing it part-time like you or i on top of other stuff Mm -hmm. you have to do all of this work behind the fact like the pre-planning is like hours and hours and hours of work before you even set foot on a mountain to go skiing and then yeah oh yeah a huge learning curve for me this year I'm like in that boat too and just it's like
1: even when you put you know even when you're like putting a reel out or you put out a photo or something on Instagram and it's like okay like I in the last few years have felt like I am skiing for Instagram you know and that sucks I'm like I want to work on big bigger projects I want to like have a larger platform to like share This on, but it's like, yeah, the pre-planning takes so much time. And like up until this year, I was in school and like didn't have a lot of free time to even put energy or like creative thinking into a project. And now it's just like, yeah, it's just not, it's not getting easier, you know. You kind of have to really prioritize it. And I just wish that there was 10 of me to do everything I need to do all the time. Preach. Yeah.
0: Preach.
1: But, there, but there's not. So here we are.
0: Um, I feel like you answered my non-question really well, like probably better than whatever question I was like trying to say and then just forgot in the middle of it. But another question I have related to that, like having filmed with Blank, filmed with Solomon TV, I feel like that's one side of filming, um, especially Blank is like a little bit more of the – like, ski porn kind of thing, which, like, we always will have ski porn. It's not going anywhere. But with your more creative project, it without, like, telling me what it's about necessarily, it kind of sounds like it's going to have a little bit more of a storytelling aspect to it or, like, be a little bit more about you as a person, which I think is a direction of film – in the outdoor industry that is really taking off and that is like really having a degree of relatability to it. Definitely. And I think like you're saying, like now there's so much more onus on the athletes to build their own projects. And I think that's maybe that's what's like kind of opening the doors to this So, as much as it is more work. Like, do you find that it is more fulfilling being able to tell a story?
1: Definitely. Like I'm I'm hopeful that the project I've been given the support to do is going to be like I don't want to I don't really know what it's going to be yet because it's still in the creative stages but it's like it's I don't want to talk about it
0: too much. I know it's hard because uh, you like, yeah. can't really say.
1: I don't but yeah. Because
0: Because you're able to have a creative mindset about it I feel like those kind of projects just like hit a little bit different and I've really enjoyed talking about those projects on the show just like in terms of an alternative to ski porn and how valuable having these project is. projects is. All right. So yeah <laughs> I English? I don't know. <laughs>
1: um. Yeah no I think that it's definitely like ski porn is awesome. I love watching my friends freaking send it no question about it but I think also yeah storytelling is a huge part of filmmaking and um, if it's you know if this project doesn't fulfill everything I hope it will I hope in the future that I am able to tell my story in a in a way that really speaks to me and represents me and I'm pretty excited about the future but I'm also pretty excited about now yeah and you should be yeah a lot going on do you have a whistler pass this year i do yes i got a i actually got an epic pass which is cool i got seven free days at fernie so when i went home i got to go ski at fernie for seven days but like i said it's my first year ever without a fernie alpine resort pass so can't
0: just go there whenever i want (laughs) that that's like in and of itself a big shift Mm because I always go home and I ski at Lake Louise on my trips home and it just has this feel that like no matter what it's always going to be home it's the mountain that you know the best like I still don't know Whistler so I I I, and actually I'll ask you this because you grew up skiing Fernie and you have been so immersed in the community in Fernie for so long Mm -hmm. How has it been for you finding a community with Skiing Whistler? Yeah. Like, do you feel like you found one or are you still just like trying to figure it out? Well, that's a good question. Um,
1: I mean, I think I'm like, okay, Fernie's, you know, I know Fernie so well that it's like I can go skiing by myself and have the best day ever. But like in Whistler, I'm like, I don't know where I'm going half the time. And I did a season here quite a while ago and like I got to ski around with a lot of the whist crew and learn the mountain but you know I lost a lot of that and I think I'm very thankful that I have like friends who grew up skiing Whistler who have been kind enough to like go skiing with me and Jess is here so we're kind of like getting lost together which is fun um but yeah I don't know it's definitely, like, I don't have a sled. I've been waiting to get some touring boots that, like, work for my ever-shifting feet, um, so I'm definitely a bit of a resort rat right now, (laughs) um, which has been, yeah, it's been fun, but I definitely, I think, like, I have a lot of friends who snowboard, um, so that's fun, but as far as, like, ski community goes, it's kind of the same same friends from competing and I'm grateful that I have those friends here and that's the best part about the ski industry it's like where the ski community is like once you make some friends in it like everyone's connected so that's been really cool to reconnect
0: yeah and I I I don't know I find it hard here but I think part of that is that my schedule just is like always changing. So I'd meet people that are weekend friends and then we go skiing on weekends, but then I won't have weekends off for like a month. And so then I need to find my midweek friends and then I like ski with my midweek friends. And then next thing you know, I'm like on weekends off again. And it's just like always changing and I don't have any consistency. So that's been like part of my own struggle with trying to ski in Whistler and the fact that I like don't actually live there I'm an hour and a half away so being involved in like any kind of community gets a little bit trickier when you're just always commuting no matter what
1: no for sure and I think like even being in Squamish you know it's like I'm there but I'm not there which has also been an adjustment because like Bernie you know is so close to the mountains so if you like work from home or you have like other obligations in your day like it's super easy to just be like I'm gonna go ski the morning and then go home and work and I was so fortunate to like have that when I was living at home but reality check living in Whistler is way out of the question for me so Squamish has been yeah an adjustment getting used to that commute and just like you know you're pretty pooped after a morning or an afternoon skiing Whistler and you get home after like it's like an hour tops to get there but yeah it's different and I think thankfully like a good thing for me is that I'm flexible with my job so if like a friend is like hey we're gonna go ski Friday like are you free I'm like if you give me three days notice I will be free on Friday you know what I mean so that's been really nice but there is quite a few people down in Squamish, too, who, like, want a carpool or stuff like that. So it's been nice.
0: Yeah, it is. It's such a big resort. And, like, I, if I go by myself, I hardly leave the groomed runs. Mostly because yeah. when I go with people who are actually, like, Whistler locals, they'll take me on these, like, traverses. Or you go across these ridges and you drop in to these spots that, like will be anything from a straight line to like a Mando air into a shoot or like you have to like side hill yourself down into it or there's like a little cornice. It's like all these things where if I'm by myself, I don't want to get stuck there. Like, no, if I don't know where I'm going. I'm like not going there. And then I like try and find the stuff after they're I'm not with them. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm I'm going to get cliffed out somewhere. It's going to be very embarrassing. <laughs>
1: That's just it. Like it's scary to go, especially Whistler. Whistler's so big. There's so much alpine. Like I have no idea where I'm going. And same thing. Like if I'm alone, I'm probably gonna just ride a park or go ski the groomers, ride my snowboard. Like, I don't know. It's definitely uh, it's a big hill and it is scary and I don't wanna get lost and I'm like just so paranoid of like ending up on top of a Freaking permanent closure and not being able to get get down or something like I don't know. So yeah, it's definitely gonna take some time to learn, but I'm hopeful to be in the sea to sky for a while. So you are not going anywhere anytime soon, I don't think.
0: Yeah, you mentioned snowboarding being good for your feet. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this could be my last question unless you give me something that I just like. I'm dying to ask more about, oh. but. I don't know if you snowboarded at all growing up or is this something that you've learned more recently?
1: Yeah. So actually when I was in high school or like, yeah, I was like, I guess middle school in most places, grade seven, grade eight, Um, we had in gym class, if you like wanted to or could afford it, I guess you would, you were able to go take lessons at the ski hill. I don't think it was if you could afford it. I think the school maybe helped pay for it, but they were like, for once a month for winter you guys are going to the ski hill and you're you have to take lessons and my parents were like well we're not gonna like pay if they had to pay we're not gonna pay for this program or like put you in ski lessons like you can ski fine so they were like you should just maybe learn to snowboard if you want to and I was really stoked I was like okay yeah that sounds great like I'll do some different um which is kind of ironic because my parents, <laughs> like, my boyfriend snowboards and they're, like, you bring their home a snowboarder. Like, it's kind of funny. So, anyways, I started snowboarding in middle school. Did it for, like, I don't know, six months, five months in the winter. Once once a month. Not very often. Uh, and then my, <laughs> my dad actually found a snowboard at the dump. Um, like a super shitty, delaminating snowboard. And I got some boots out of ski swap or something. And we always had it in the shed growing up. And I reached for it every like once a year kind of thing. I didn't really take it very seriously when I was skiing hard. Um, and then in COVID, when I was back in Fernie, I was just, it was so cold. It was like minus 35. Nothing was open except like the deer chair or something. And my boyfriend snowboards and he's like, I think we would maybe have like a lot more fun if you went snowboarding. So I borrowed my friend's snowboard and I just had the best day ever. And then I was like, I think I need to get one of these. (laughs) So now I own a snowboard
0: and I've been going a lot. Do you find with snowboarding that because skiing is something you've done for so long that to see improvements in your skiing is so incremental like it's just like the tiniest amounts at once that it takes a while before you actually notice that you've gotten any better um but with snowboarding being newer to it that you actually like get a little bit more motivation out of it because it's new to you and you have that more of a beginner's mindset so then it becomes really fun because you actually get better every time you go instead of skiing where you're just like ooh I could have done that cliff if this was like two years ago but here we are
1: (laughs) yeah oh that's so funny yeah I think like that you just see the progression so much faster you know because you're like oh okay like I whatever forgot how to turn and now I can like do a turn and then you're like oh I forgot how to hit like a little jump and then you do it and you're like whoa it just is really exciting uh but I also I just like the feeling of it too you know I like lived on the island for seven years and like surfed a bit and I started skateboarding and just like the sideways thing was a really unfamiliar feeling for me for like most of my life and just being able to like combine that and and snowboard is really really fun and just feels really relaxed but I've always had a lot of friends who snowboard so, I think a lot of them are like, welcome to the dark side. Like everyone's really excited to go snowboarding. So (laughs) it's been kind of fun. And it's, it's also been like a good way for me to like, you know, if we have friends coming to visit or something who like don't ski or snowboard often, it like maybe makes them feel a bit more comfortable or whatever. If we're just like skiing groomers and we're all having a good time and at the same level. So just something different,
0: different challenge. Totally. Um, as we as we finish up this interview,
1: mm-hmm. interview. This is
0: interview podcast, whatever, whatever this is. <laughs> um, do you have anything that you want to plug? Any shout-outs to do? Uh, obviously we will link all in extra so that people can click to your website to your instagram check it out if they've never seen it before as well as your own page but yeah thank you Any, um, anything else we already like kind of did the solomon smith shout out
1: yeah yeah they're great um mom and dad love you guys love my boyfriend curtis um love you guys thanks for hosting me on the show uh but yeah check out check out all an extra uh, for some behind the behind the scenes stuff um, and yeah that's pretty much it I don't know hope everyone has a great year 2023
0: this Is it just gonna get awkward now <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming on the show